It's Typo Waffle Time! Typo Waffle Time! Huh? Is that a mistake? No. Okay. Are mistakes okay? Mistakes are great. I love mistakes. Uh, do you let your students make mistakes? I encourage all mistakes in the class. Why? Um. Ooh. <laughs> Why? Well, I believe that you learn... I mean, if any experiential learning yeah. requires... That you stretch your boundaries. Okay, trial and error, see yeah. what works, yeah. learn from your mistakes, hopefully. Yeah, okay. and if you're not making mistakes, it means ultimately that there's no there's no experimenting no, going on. No growth, you're just sticking to what you already know how to do. Yeah, okay. this, is, this is my problem actually with those conversation classes where you get students to talk about themselves. Well, they talk about themselves really well because they've spoken about themselves all their lives. Yeah. Um, and, they, and then... You just work on the stuff that they, they already know. They already know, yeah. and that's not actually working on anything. Okay, now, and the reason I bring this up is... I, What's the reason that you bring this up? I want to see if I can prove an exception to that rule, because I actually believe that mistakes are good. Uh, if they're not making mistakes, then I might not be teaching them anything. Right. Okay, but I think there might be an exception to the rule, and I don't like it, but I do believe it's true, which is... I'm not teaching you. I'm preparing you for your test. Oh, well. Mm. Ah, well. So, uh, my... Shuffle, shuffle. This is a thinking yeah. moment. Okay. Mm. So, my focus on this would be mainly when it comes to writing. So, I'm teaching the students writing. I want them to try new things, and I want them to apply the stuff that we've studied, but I'm quite happy for them to try out stuff that they haven't, uh, and even to the extent sometimes where they're using a word that I know they've translated from their mother tongue because of the way that they're using it. They've looked it up as a synonym for a, a known word, and they're trying to use it in that way. They've never actually been taught how to use it in a sentence, whatever. And I'm absolutely okay with that, except test prep. Okay, well, so I, I, I'll use a... Um, metaphor, metaphor, analogy, analogy yeah, good, analogy. Okay. If I'm teaching somebody how to ride a bicycle, um, yeah. I'm going to expect that they're going to fall and I need to be around to catch them, possibly, if they okay. do. Um, but if if we're preparing for a race, yeah. um, the preparation for the race involves lots of vomiting and huge amounts of fitness development. And, but and when learning just how fast you can turn without crashing. Right. And then don't maybe crash. crashing a couple of times. But don't crash when you race. Yes, but, but by the time they get to the race, they should have mastered all those techniques. They should know exactly how fast they can go around this kind of bend. They should know exactly how fast they can push themselves given this amount of this distance. that they, uh, so All the mistakes need to have been made by the time the race comes. And is some of that teaching them, look, don't try that. Because when you try it, you always make a mistake. So don't try that. But But then, okay, but that's not teaching them that that's teaching them a strategy for the race yes that's teaching them a strategy yeah but you can only teach that strategy meaning meaningfully if they've tried that four times and they failed every time yes. and then you can say okay well obviously that needs more practice let's deal with it later and don't, now, do, don't that. do that yeah so does that analogy transfer to test prep yes it does so let's just say that i'm preparing somebody for a, a writing exam a, a test and there's a writing 
component. Yeah? Component. And I know that the writing component has options. And one of the options is a narrative and the other one is going to be some sort of argument essay. Okay. And we practiced narratives and they've really got that down. Narratives yep. are fine. Arguments, they can do it, but they keep making... They keep getting their organization mixed up or they can't construct a, a, a coherent argument or something. Yep. And the exam is coming up. Yep. <clears throat> I'm going to say to them, look, when it comes to the exam, choose the narrative. It, it's your strength. Um, after the exam, if we've got more time or if there's another exam coming up later on, we'll work then on on the construction of arguments. Okay. So for the exam, the strategy is stick with your strengths. Yes. But that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm not going to keep practicing the weaknesses during teaching time. And that means letting them make mistakes, identifying what's wrong with the thing that they've done. Yeah, so the mistakes still happen in class. But you're going to tell them not to... Not to do that during the exam, yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, All right, so let's get let's make it really crunch time. Uh, you, your student is taking an IELTS test in four weeks. Okay. Okay, so four weeks isn't much. And you're going to see them twice a week for the next four weeks. All right. Okay. Um, so for those four weeks, how much of those four weeks are you going to spend letting them experiment? And how much of those four weeks are you going to spend developing their strengths? Ooh. So... You've got four weeks. You've got eight lessons. Okay. For, for in, in such a short amount of time, I would focus on strengths. Okay. I, I would... Um, I mean, developing weaknesses in, in, in that kind of time crunch is probably the wrong route. Yeah. Um... Identifying the strengths, making them feel confident about their strengths, and making them hone those hone strengths. those yeah is for something as high stakes as an IELTS. That's yeah. that's your trick. Um, I mean, what they need to know with any kind of with any kind of uh, writing, who is your audience and how can I pander to that audience? That's what you need to do. So if I'm yeah. writing a letter to my boss, I need to have the right kind of politeness strategies. Okay, but if you're writing an IELTS test, uh, well, the question is about uh, describing that graph. Okay, so in the IELTS exam, there are eight... Why do you just happen to have that sitting next to you? <laughs> there are eight... Not that um, I don't have one of those sitting next to me in my home office, but anyway. Um, no, there are four... Yeah, there are eight descriptors where they're going to get marked on. Okay, yep. so task response, did they actually answer the question? Yep. Coherence and cohesion. Yep. Okay, lexical resources, how wide is your vocabulary? Yep. Grammatical range and accuracy. Okay. Yeah, do they attempt to use longer sentences? Yeah. How often do they get those right? Yeah, okay, so uh, those kind of things. So now I'm going to make sure the student knows those. Yep. Um, for task response, <clears throat> the question is going to be something like, look at these graphs and yep. explain something like that. Um, yep. And my student is particularly weak at that kind of thing. Okay. Um, so I'm, he, I, I'm pretty sure he's going to get a low mark for task response because he's okay. not going to respond well to graphs. He can still get good m scores for cohesion and, and grammar and, and yep. if, if he's... Range and... Yep. Right. But I know that he's really good with the other kind of question that comes up, which is a letter. Okay. So um, I'm going to go look if there's a letter. Focus on that and let's... let's I don't know. I don't know if this is a good strategy now that I'm thinking about it. Uh. I mean, the, the thing is, when people ask me about teaching writing and they, they, they say something like, ah, uh, oh, you know, they just can't get it right. And my instinct is to say, and what's the problem with that? That means they're still developing. Right. But then when, it, when it's, I need to take the test next week and I can't get it right. My instinct is the opposite. It's to go, well, don't try. Don't try to get that right. 
do the thing that you know how to get right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Now, I mean, we can argue that this means there's actually a problem with the test because... No, I, I, I wouldn't say there's a problem with the test. I mean, the test's job is to identify on a scale how yes. far the student's language has developed. Um, and Well, it's proficiency-based testing, so it's not about development. It's just where are you on this scale right, compared right. to far, Frank? Exactly. So how far is your language, how far is your language developed in terms of its, its proficiency? Yeah. So your writing is weaker than your reading and your speaking is better than your whatever. That, that's what it's going to tell you. And as a test that does that, I think it does that really well. And therefore, it, the test is doing its job. Okay. Um, the fact that there are different kinds of tasks is actually a strength in the test because some students are better at formal writing and others are better at other, other kinds of Academic, writing. Academic. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And it takes years to develop all those different kinds yeah. of writing skill. Um, I mean, I, I know that when I write, I struggle. I struggle with editing. I struggle with word choice. Uh, and I do it quite a lot. So it, it's it's a tough task getting yeah. students to write. But, you know, the writing tasks, like in an IELTS, it's only 250, 500 words. It's not a big task. It's not, but it's. I, I picked the writing one because it's the one that the students find the most daunting, for good reason. It, right. it is the hardest of the four. Uh, and on top of that, it's the one where the students tend to make a lot of, not mistakes in their English, but also mistakes in their strategies, the way that they approach it. Right, so if, so, you've, if, if you've only got four weeks to yeah. prepare a student, I would say let's go for strategies. Yeah, um, so I the mean, their English lessons, I'm not teaching them any English. Right, their, their English proficiency is what it is. That's that's kind of where you, you, you can get them to practice certain things, but what they need now is, is test-taking strategies. And this is a washback issue. Now, now you're just trying to get the student to do the best they can under the pressure that they're in. Yeah. Um, in the test, yeah. yeah. I mean, let's take the your example was cohesion. Cohesion, is that the yeah. One you think? Yeah. No task achievement. Task achievement. Okay. Was that, was so that number right? nine says it fully satisfies all the requirements of the task. Okay, so let's take that one, where the best way, in my humble opinion, mm -hmm. to get the students to get a high score on that, um, is to teach them to have an outline or some sort of pre-writing. Well, read the question properly. Read the right? question properly. Yeah. Do some really simple pre-writing before yes. you start. And I'm not developing your English at all here. Now, I am developing your English in the context of I'm making you more readable. But I'm not improving your vocabulary right. or your grammar or your spelling or anything yes. else. Yeah. I'm just trying to make you more readable, which is part of English, sure. Yeah. But I'm not really... It's, it's kind of the soft skill in a way of English, not a, a solid improve your grammar, improve your spelling, improve your vocab. You know, I, I often get students coming to me saying, I've got an exam, whether In it's a TOEIC, I've got, I've, and I need to prepare for it. And, and I, my first thought is, okay, so come, see you two years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. But if, if that's the case, then fine. I'm not actually teaching English then. Um, I'm teaching IELTS preparation, yeah. uh, which is actually not the same thing. No. Um, so let's let's take an example, shall we? Okay. Okay. So the question is, here is an example question, taken from a IELTS preparation book. News editors decide what to broadcast on television and what to print in the newspaper. What factors do you think influence these decisions? Like this is an argument essay. Yeah. Do we need to use? Oh, sorry. Do we become used to bad news? This is actually quite a good question. Would it be better? if more good news was reported. Okay, now before they even start writing, they need to take out a blank piece of paper and they need to go through a series of 
argument development. Yeah. Uh, but of course, what the student does is formulates in their head a good argument. Yes. What they think is a good argument. Yeah, but the problem is that the IELTS examiner doesn't care about your argument. They don't care if they agree or disagree with you. Mm. They don't care if you make a good point. None they, of that matters. They care if you've answered the question. And what use lexical you've used diversity. To, yeah, <laughs> and that's it. So if you if your whole argument was that uh, all news should should be published by fast food manufacturers on the back of menus and they should be the only ones in charge because people spend a lot of time eating, eating fast food and there's nothing to read while you're there and instead of playing with your phone you could catch up with the news and, and that's McDonald's. A good, that's a good point Troy. But the, the Troy should be a um, newsman not a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Reporter. But the examiner doesn't care mm. that that's a kind of weird dumb argument. They only care about, did you answer the question? I don't know. I don't know if that does. Yeah, um, satisfies the criteria on... Which one's plural? Criteria. Criteria. It satisfies the criteria of, I've... Well, you're right, actually, because it says... Okay, so for example, band six is addresses the task, yep. presents an overview of the information... Yep. Presents the purpose and is generally clear. Presents and adequately highlights key features of the argument. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, they could make any argument they like. But, I mean, that maybe they are having a well-rounded and uh, acceptable argument will make the examiner go, ooh, good point. And add it's on. not supposed to. Yeah. It might make them. But that's the test is the... Uh, it's supposed to work. It's supposed to work. That okay. it takes that away from the assessor. Yeah. <clears throat> my, my experience with this kind of writing preparation stuff, though, is that's not what I focus on. When a student comes to me with writing, I'll end up dealing with accuracy and lexical issues. Uh, yeah, sure. And how many mistakes do you accept in those? Yeah, and how far can you, how far can you stretch things? It takes a fairly um, confident writer to move away from that, for me to move away from that, to start talking about coherence and cohesion, because that's harder. Oh, it's funny. That's the one I start with. Oh, really? I, I find that students struggle with it. I find it the easiest one to improve in the shortest amount of time is... Coherence. Coherence and mm -hmm. cohesion and task achievement and, and things like that. I can teach them, not their English, but how to how to decide what they're going to write before they write it. And if they stick to that and just give the really small tips like never translate. Uh, the most horrible tip that I give students is the one that I hate the most, but it has led to the most success on writing, which is pick the topic that you find the most boring. Why? Uh, because then they can focus on their English, not their ideas. Ooh, when they good. pick the interesting one, they're trying to express themselves. Right. And they're struggling to find the language to express this thought that's in their head, and okay. they end up doing lots of translation. When they pick the one that, where they've got nothing to say, they are only looking at the English. What am I going to say? Oh, I could say this and that and this. Will that get me to 200 words? Yeah, well, okay. Mm. And that's it. Okay. Good point. Good, good idea. Yeah. That's actually a, a, my first... My first 
two to four sessions on any teaching writing prep for a All semester. right, let, let me change the topic a little bit. Um, what about if you're not preparing students for... I mean, all writing classes, preparing students for an exam. At, at school, you're teaching them how to write an essay because there's an essay in the final exam. And if, yep. um, But how much time should an English teacher spend on writing in class when there's no imminent exam? Ooh. Mm. That's my question. Because I, I know that a lot of ESL teachers avoid writing. Sure, because uh, but they often avoid it because of uh, they've had negative experiences with it. It's a quiet classroom. It's boring. It takes a lot of time. Yes. And, but I think that's... Little amounts of marking, marking that comes in. But I think that's a methodology issue, not actually a... Writing isn't inherently boring. It's traditionally boring. And in the same way that reading isn't inherently boring, it's traditionally boring. In traditionally, you mean? Uh, you know, reading is take... The kids take turns reading aloud one by one in the classroom. Oh, it takes forever. Yeah, exactly. And writing is, okay, everybody put your heads down. You, you've got 35 minutes and then I want an essay. Well, I mean, that's boring for the teacher. The students are busy and they should be engaged and yeah. it's not boring for them. Uh. I could do things that are a lot more interesting. Well, fun, for the teacher, engaging, yeah, yeah, no. Even for the students. I mean, I my problem with that, when I was at school, my problem was you've got 35 minutes to write write an essay about the man with the red hat and, and off you go. Is I To come up with an idea, I need to walk around and I need to play with the... Uh, you know, when I, when I write something, I have to stare at the wall for 20 minutes and um, I, I, I can't just sit down and, and write... I've never been able to. I find that really hard, and I think that that's tough. Okay. If, if it's a meaningful piece of work. In an exam situation where it says, look at this graph and, and write a memo about it, well, that's fine. Um, but an actual meaningful piece of idea. writing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't do it. Yeah. I mean, that task, that IELTS task that you just use as, as an example, that's a hard task. Yeah. Uh, I would tell the student to probably avoid that one. Well, in these examples here, there are actually no options. Ooh. Yeah. There's, it's task one. This is task one. This is task two. Task two is look at these graphs. And man, this graph think, thing is hard. I think you got it the wrong way around. What? I thought the graph... Yeah, the graph, the graph one is first. It's yeah. first, yeah. But I mean, this is... So just... There's two graphs. One is expenditure on fast food, and the second one is consumption of fast food. And the student has to look at the two graphs and then write a report for a university lecturer describing information shown below. Jesus, I don't even understand what these graphs are. No, I'm not a mathematically inclined person, yeah. uh, and that, that's, that's tough for me. My question on, on that one is always, is the assessor going to look at how accurately you represented the information from the, the graph? 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 graph. Or, or are they going to look at, if you've used, uh, a steady but gradual decline in, oh, and, and phrases like yes, that. Yeah. And more often than not, they're looking at the phrases you've used, not whether that's Well, I don't know. I mean, the thing correct. is that, okay, so we've got high-income earners have the most hamburger eating, by the looks of things. That's what that means, right? Um, Hamburgers are most eaten by high-income, and fish and chips are most frequently eaten by low income. I mean, I think I think that's what it is. But if, I think if you don't write that, or if you write it that hamburgers are most eaten by the low income, you're going to get into trouble because that will be a task. Huh? What's the... Yeah. That will be a task 
fulfillment issue. Task achievement failure. Because clearly, that's not what the class graph well, says. The, the task is to explain, it describe the, the graphs. Yeah. Okay, so you've inaccurately described the, the graphs. And therefore, and you're going to lose points on the task achievement schedule. But get great points on your lexical resource. Right, right. A, a gradual decrease. Well, this one is actually a gradual increase in the hamburger consumption. So by extension... There are an increasing number of high-income earners in this particular group of people that they've researched. <laughs> okay, so um, have I managed to establish the exception? Explain to me the exception again. Uh, in general, experimentation, uh, errors, um, uh, trying out something that you're not sure of, um, moving beyond your specific target language, focus, etc, etc, in general is not only accepted but should be encouraged. Encouraged, yes. With the exception of test, test preparation, prep, yeah. which is, yeah, look, I love what, you, I love what you've done here, yeah. but don't do it. I mean, your, your point um, that, that we should encourage students to be developing themselves is, is well made, and I, I find it... I find it a little bit irritating when I hear teachers say, they keep getting it wrong. Well, of course yeah. they keep getting it wrong. That's why they're yeah. at school. If they weren't getting it wrong, they wouldn't be at school and you then wouldn't have a job. Um, yeah. And um, the students aren't learning this. Well, because you're not teaching you it properly. Teach yeah. yeah. So the, the fact that they're making mistakes to me is a really good sign. Yeah. It, it means that they're experimenting and trying and that you've pushed them as a teacher beyond the yes. boundaries of what they're capable of. And I mean, this is supposed to be what, one of the reasons why we have rubrics for marking. So that it steers the teacher away from just looking at one area, like I'm only looking at their grammar or their spelling or whatever. Yeah. It's supposed to let the teacher look at, well, uh, overall, how coherent was their argument? Uh, but most rubrics don't have a column that says... It's, it's buried in there. The, the point on the rubric that says attempts to use, they've got... Only uses, for example, the, the grammatical range one, I think I'm doing this from memory, says yeah. something like, um, only uses simple sentences. Yeah. Uh, and then the next one up is attempts some more complex sentence structures. Right. And then the next one up uh, is, no, uh, attempts to use them but messes them all up. My goodness, Troy, your memory is excellent. Band five, attempts complex sentences but these tend to be less accurate than the simple sentences that's band five yep. so it means it's actually rewarding attempts attempt. to do yeah um and so that gives you uh that gives you some range there to encourage your student to try stuff and then, out and then band six is uses a mix of simple and complex sentence forms but it doesn't talk about uh, whether or not those complex sentences are correct or not well it says makes some errors in grammar and punctuation but they really, really affect reduce communication. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, a good rubric encourages that kind of thing. Encourages it to some degree. Yeah. But uh, you have a weak student, and you know that all attempts at complex sentences are going to be terrible. Do you encourage it or not? Does that get them to their five? Or does it keep them, if I'd say only do simple sentences? Does that keep them at a four? 
if all they've used all their simple sentences, but they're all correct. You ask penetrating questions with. Um, I mean, uh, that was actually a non-redundant question. No, but I mean the thing is, yeah. Well, I, I mean the fact that complex sentences are, are attempted, attempted, even if they're not successful, is obviously something that this particular rubric rewards, and therefore yeah. yes, or at least it's supposed to reward. Supposed to reward. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so um, the moral of the story is uh, encourage get a, mistakes. Get a rubric. Use rubrics. <laughs> get to know the rubric of your exam that you're preparing your students for. If your exam, if your students are being prepared for your own exam, get to know your own rubrics. Uh, and the horrible flip side to that argument is, what exam are you preparing for? I'm preparing for the entrance e- exam for Yellow Bridge University. What rubric do they use? It's a secret. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I hate <coughs> that one. Yeah. That's actually quite common too, but I'd I'd still say then IELTS seems to be leading the way. Probably a lot of a lot of rubrics follow the same sort of the, pattern. Yeah, the same basics. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's time for a word from our sponsor. Okay. Today's sponsor is silence. Okay. Well, <laughs> silence is golden. Right. And when you're in classroom and the students are answering questions, it's a three second silence. Three second silence rule. Yep. Yep. Uh, and in general, do you think silence is a bad thing in a language classroom? Well, for writing classes, silence is actually pretty useful because it gives students a chance to to get inside their own head. Yeah, I still don't like it, though. <laughs> I mean, noisy classrooms are fun. Uh, They're fun, and I, you can you can witness the productivity. Uh, in a, in a yeah, silent classroom, you've you really got to be see. walking around going, are they? Oh, they are. Are they? Oh, wait, he hasn't written anything I'll tell you yet. what, the other thing, though, is if somebody, if a head teacher or uh, somebody looks into your classroom while you have a silent room, you look like an awesome teacher. Or a terrible teacher, depending on who your head teacher is. Right. Because I've looked in plenty of rooms and gone, oh, no. Yeah, that's a bit quiet. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, for more information, contact www.silence.com for... Slash, yeah. forward slash, Tefl shut for, the... For, for a free trial. STFU. <laughs> now, that's What's a TV that? show, right? Well, STFU. That's an acronym that I'm not allowed to say out loud on this podcast. Oh. No, don't go to that one. Go to forward slash Tefl Waffle for a discount. 10%. On, on, on all your cotton wadding to shove in your cheeks and muffle your voice. <laughs> Tefl Waffle is proudly brought to you by the non-stop wafflers, Troy and Steve. For any questions, comments, complaints, or queries, you can email tefelwaffle at gmail.com or visit www.tefelwaffle.com.